Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. Now your host, Larry Roberts. Joining us today is Jeff Madoff, the man behind Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. His college course, book, and podcast destroys the myth that artists can't be good business people and business people can't be good artists. He dispels the myth about creativity so that his students, readers, and listeners can finally embrace all sides of themselves and reach their full potential. Drawing on Jeff's decades of experience and the experience of over 100 diverse industry experts, Creative Careers takes you down an accessible path that will lead to success in any field or endeavor. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Larry. Now, it's great to have you here because as we were talking about just a little bit before we hit that record button, I love the topic of creativity. It's what I do for a living, and I feel so blessed and so grateful to have the opportunity to leverage creativity to make a living, and it's it's pretty amazing. I mentioned to you having you on today was extra special because today, January 4th of 2022 is when we're recording this. Obviously, it's going to drop later, but we're recording it on the one-year anniversary of me leaving my 21-year corporate career to chase content creation, podcasting, and keynote speaking as a full-time endeavor. And I'm super stoked to have you here to celebrate it with me. Well, congratulations to you. That's great. So tell me more about how you ended up going down this creative path and what is it about the creative process that has really resonated with you over these years? Well, how long do we have, Larry? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's funny because it's not like I set out to be an entrepreneur. I didn't really think about it, but I was always entrepreneurial, whether I was, you know, you were talking about the snowmageddon that you experienced last year yes. in, in Texas. And, you know, when I was a kid, a snow day meant shoveling driveways. I could make some money. You know, and uh, so me and my my neighbor, Jimmy Zipper, we would go with our snow shovels and eventually it it morphed into having one of those motorized uh, snow plows, like a lawnmower kind of thing. Yeah. And so that was a day we could like make some money and, you know, always doing some kind of enterprise when I was a kid. But I come by it honestly, because my parents were both entrepreneurs. My mom and dad had retail stores in Akron, Ohio, which is where I grew up. My sister has her own business. And I had never thought about getting a job because that behavior wasn't really modeled for me. And I think part of being an entrepreneur is that I'm unemployable. So as a result, I always had to think of ways that I could make money, essentially doing what I wanted to do. And that just unspooled as I got older and always kind of followed that path. But it wasn't, it, you know, there wasn't a deliberate strategy going on at all. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty common thread when it comes to entrepreneurship, especially for those that lean heavily in the creative side of things. But at the same time, can you really be an entrepreneur if you don't have at least some sort of creativity behind you? Well, I think, and it's not often defined this way, but I think you're absolutely right, Larry. I think that what's really critical is to understand that entrepreneurship is a creative act because you're starting with an idea in your head. And then in order for it to mean anything, you have to actualize. it. And so actualizing that idea, if you are successful at it, it can become a business and you can make a living uh, with your creative career. And you can do that. But in terms of the inception of that idea, that is a creative act. So I think often people think of, of artists or creative people as, you know, singers, dancers, actors, musicians, yeah. uh, painters, that sort of thing. And they don't think of entrepreneurship as a creative pursuit, but I believe that it is. Well, yeah, so many times you hear creative, oh, I'm just not a creative person, meaning I don't have any talent with a pencil or a pen or a paintbrush, or I can't sculpt, or you, you, you think the arts, but right. creativity transcends art. Creativity is problem solving. Basic problem solving is That's a creative right. process. Talk to us more about that, the philosophy behind creativity. And in your book, you, you talk about it. Give us some more insight there as to what you define as the creative process and how people can maybe look at the term creativity with, well, a little more creativity. Well, you know, creativity, the root term is creatus, and it means to grow is actually an agricultural term. So, you know, when you think about language, and I think about language all the time, you think about that seed of an idea you know, planting the seeds, which means, you know, whether it's for future sales or future ideas. Well, a seed is, of course, an agricultural term also. So it's planting the seed of an idea. And then if that idea grows, and I think uh, it's really important to, first of all, not only have that idea, but then you have to think about how do I actualize that idea? And one of the things that I do with my students on the first day of class, I'll say, how many of you have gone to a gallery? Or if they're fashion designers, which many are at Parsons where I teach, mm-hmm. uh, how many of you have gone into a store and thought, well, I could do that? And of course, just about everybody's hand goes up. And I said, so what's the difference between you and them? And there's silence. And then I see the light go on in somebody's eye. And they say, uh, they did it. And I said, say that again. They actually did it. And I said, yeah. That's the difference. So ideas, in fact, are a dime a dozen. They're probably cheaper even now. Uh, And the idea is, you know, what are the creative powers that you bring to it to make that idea into something? You know, be that a painting, a book, an app, a service, whatever it is. And so the, the creativity and creative part of it is bringing that to life and, and letting that seed grow, which by the way, oftentimes, unless you have unlimited funds has to grow pretty quickly. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I think a a key thing that, that many people overlook is you can't be the only one in love with your idea. You know, you've got to establish that proof of concept is somebody willing to pay for whatever it is you're offering. Right. 
And that's the only way you can sustain it as a business is if they are. Otherwise, you might have a cool hobby, but it's not going to be a career. Well, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle is they feel like they've got this phenomenal idea, but oftentimes they sit on it, though, and they're afraid to take that step or even follow through with a proof of concept. What do you tell your students that seem to have that problem? Because as you just pointed out, they had that realization that the difference between those that have created and those that want to create, well, they did it. So how do you, how do you relay that to your students and what could you tell my listeners to inspire them to just do it? You know, I, I got called out just the other day and I know I just asked you a question and now here I am giving a statement, but, but, but I just got called out the other day because uh, someone asked, what is your biggest challenge as a creator? And my response was that my biggest challenge is I care what other people think. I'm still worried that when I put something out there, they're either going to not like it or they're going to make fun of me or they're going to whatever, they're going to, whatever it may be, they're going to whisper about me behind my back and, and I'm going to be disrespected in the industry. And right after posting that and admitting that that's my biggest flaw, a friend between the two of us that posted that, he came in and he goes, well, Larry, I've got some thoughts on that. You want to hear it? And I said, yeah, man, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And he said, fail. And I was like, what do you mean I failed? And after I thought about it, no, I shouldn't have wanted to hear his thoughts on it. It's what he's saying. I failed because I was still concerned about what he had to say about what I felt I was creating. So that's a big, big problem for a lot of people is we sit around and we care too much about what others are going to think about what we're doing as compared to taking that action. So how do you inspire your students to take that action and actually become a creator? Well, you know, there's so much you said there to unpack. And I'll first of all say that, you know, I know people that write and they say that, you know, I write for myself. I don't care what anybody thinks. I paint for myself. I don't care what anybody thinks. I think that's bullshit. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't believe that, you know, so it's, it's a great, you know, chest beating statement of independence, but you know, you want to get your work out there. You write to be read, you paint to be seen, you act to be on the stage. You know, you want that. Now that if you pander as a result and try to satisfy everybody, then you're going to do really banal, uninteresting work. So you have to take risks with your work. But when you take those risks, you hope people are going to like the work that you do, at least enough people that can support your efforts so you can keep doing it, unless you happen to be independently wealthy or something. Sure. So, you know, I think that the notion of ignore what everybody says and do whatever you want because that's your true self uh, you know, I think that's that, that that's a little disingenuous. Uh, and I think, you know, what happens, though, and where I agree with that statement, and I think, you know, you, you made a good example of yourself and being having that concern. Is I think that most people have their creativity kind of flogged out of them when they're kids, be it from their peers, their parents or teachers because they don't want to be judged. They don't want to be called out. They don't want to be humiliated or embarrassed. And so as a result, they shut down and they don't take those risks. And it's much more about risk-taking as opposed to not caring what people think. I think you have to be willing to take those risks uh, and put your ideas out there. And that's a bold step for people. 
you know, it's, it's like some saying to somebody, well, just get over it. Well, you don't just get over, it. <laughs> you know, that's much easier said than done. Right. Right. And failure, again, that becomes one of those things in, in a lot of, you know, entrepreneurial circles. They say fail and fail fast and fail again. That's horseshit. You know, uh, nobody likes failing. But first, before you can determine that, you have to define what failure is. So for me, failure is giving up on something that's important to me. Stopping. It's not those obstacles that you hit that you have to figure out your way around. So the real failure is when you stop doing and stop trying. It's not when you meet those obstacles or people don't like it or well, that's not failing. Right. You know, taking those risks that's not, that don't pan out, that's not failing. What's failing is when you stop going after what's important to you because you're afraid of the risk it places you in. And that's where you have to discount other people's opinions to a point. It also depends on who's giving you the opinion, you know, and whether or not their opinion is worth anything. You know, so you want to talk to people who actually are doing what you are trying to do and try to gain some insight into what their process is or what do they go through. And I think a lot of people try to put out this ultra positive image of how great I'm crushing it, (laughs) you know, all that. Crap Settle all the down, Gary B. Settle down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like uh, it's hard being an entrepreneur. It's a lot of work, and you're going to face obstacles. You're going to face negative opinions. You're going to face all of that, and you have to be. You have to have a thick enough hide, I think, to stand up to it, and to be able to push through or over or under or around those obstacles. But you know. You learn from those things that don't work out. But again, depending on how you as an individual define failure, to me, it's only failure when you stop going after what's important to you and that you give up. It's interesting because as you pointed out, entrepreneurship is, is, is hard. It's very hard. There's no bullshit about it. It's a very trying emotionally, physically, spiritually, you name it. It is a challenge from all perspectives. And, you know, just being a one-year newbie here to the whole independent entrepreneur, I've learned a lot over the last year. Now, I've owned businesses in the past, but they were always side hustle. I never left my real corporate safety net to jump in and build one of my businesses to the size that it was self-sustaining. I got very, very close one time. I built a swimming pool company, and I made it big enough where we had enough customers where I could jump ship. And now I could build this swimming pool company even bigger, but I was too scared and I sold it. Now it made me a nice little profit and it was cool. It was a great experience, but I sit back and I look at that and I have to ask, was that one of my biggest failures? Could I have experienced this entrepreneurial creative freedom that I was exercising, what was it, 12 years ago when I had pristine pool and spa service? Instead of going through for another 11 years in corporate America, just trying to keep my job because you mentioned being unemployable. And I got to tell you, I was super, super blessed over those 21 years to work for a company that went, it's just Larry, let him do his thing. (laughs) So if I hadn't had that kind of support structure in place, 
I never would have made it those 21 years. But to me, that's the question that I, that's my biggest question as an individual. Did I fail by selling that off? And where would I be today had I kept pristine and grown it to the point of, of walking away? And, you know, where would we be a decade later? So that, that's, that's kind of interesting there. No, you didn't fail. Uh, you didn't fail because you weren't ready yet. You know, you had to go through whatever you went through for the next 11 years. So although you dove into the swimming business, couldn't pass that up. Yeah. And you took a dive. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you treaded water for a while, <laughs> but you didn't want to drown. You know? <laughs> uh, you know, the thing is that you weren't ready yet. So to look back, to understand and reflect what was going on with you at that time in your life, that there's value there. But to wonder what would have happened, there's no way you could know. Sure. And you had to go through more until you got to the point that you felt that you were in a position to take that, make that move. And so absolutely you didn't fail. You learned something through it. You still have questions and are still maybe processing. What did I get from that? But what was your corporate job, by the way? I have it. I had a 21 year IT career. I came in as a training manager for a company and built processes and and procedures for a distribution center. And then it evolved into I ended up moving into IT where they were implementing an ERP or an enterprise resource planning system. And they needed needed a training manager for the implementation. And that implementation lasted about 18 years. And then mm. once it wrapped, I moved into data analysis and business intelligence. And that's where I was when I left one year ago. And so how much did that inform what you're doing now? The communication aspects of it, tremendously. I've mm -hmm. always been a talker, a facilitator, a trainer, a teacher. So that definitely translates into what I'm doing today as an independent content creator. The IT side of things and the data analysis and the business intelligence, very little. Because to be honest, I was really in over my head. I mean, I... I, you got kids coming out of college right now that are doing things with business intelligence that I can't even comprehend. And here's this 50 year old dude trying to hang with these 20 somethings that got all the, all the skills. So I was, if we want to go back to the analogy, I was drowning. <laughs> so, so it was get out while you can that type of scenario. And I've been, you know, I've been in the podcasting space now for seven years now. So I had been podcasting and I'd already established myself and, Honestly enough, and I was looking to trans transition to this at some point of our conversation, how creativity right now, especially over the last couple of years, has really seen a boom as an industry because we're having to be creative as a society. I mean, even as a global society, we're having to be creative. Uh, a lot of our processes are now online. A lot of our interactions are now, as you and I are sharing this space, online. And our communication is all through Zoom or some other connectivity platform. So the opportunity to be creative and to monetize that creativity to me right now is uh, higher than ever. Well, I think that, that you're right. And I think that you're touching on an essential aspect of uh, entrepreneurship and creativity, and that is adaptability. And adaptability is huge. And if you don't know how to adapt, you won't know how to survive. And I think that that's incredibly important and often overlooked. 
in terms of an important trait, along with, I'd say, the other really important trait for entrepreneurship and for creativity is perseverance. Mm -hmm. Because it rarely happens fast. And you got to log the hours and learn what you're doing and to put that in and to deal with those obstacles that you are inevitably going to be confronting. What's interesting to me, Larry, about our culture is if you are going to be a uh, actor or a musician, something in the traditional creative fields, the first question you get asked by people is, well, what's your fallback position? But if you were going to be a dentist or a doctor or an accountant or even in IT, nobody says, well, what's your fallback position? Mm -hmm. And that gives you an idea that first of all, in our culture, there's an assumption that if you pursue a career in the arts, you're going to fail. So you would need something stable to fall back on. Well, why is that? You know, you kind of led your life backwards, right? I mean, you, you had a stable ongoing job and then you gave that up to do something creative. And, you know, that was where you're finding, which I think is incredibly important, fulfillment that you're excited about it, that you dig it, you know, and, and I think that is so important. And I think if you don't in your life achieve a sense of fulfillment, then how successful are you? Maybe you failed if you've gone through most of your life without ever feeling the thrill of that fulfillment, the thrill of doing what you love doing and how important that is to you. I, I simply can't debate that because I'll tell you over the last year, and this is uh you know, I, I kind of like to be a little bit of a tough guy. So, but I spent more time crying last year, just joyously, you know, I would, I would get so excited to have this freedom and have the opportunity to pursue this creative process that the slightest little, I mean, I was just an emotional wreck for 365 days, <laughs> but it was a, it was a good emotional wreck because that's that, that sense of elation and that sense of freedom and that sense of self, it's not something that you experience. At least I haven't when I'm in the service necessarily of another pursuit. That's not really mine. Now mm-hmm. I, I love the company that supported me all those years. I love a lot of people. They're tremendous family in my personal opinion but it's not the same thing. And I had always wanted to feel this. And for the first time at 49 years old, I felt it and it was amazing. And it continues to be amazing. Now, granted, everybody's going, dude, you're just a year in. It's going to suck in a couple of years. So just get ready. I hear you. That's cool. But guess what? I'm going to ride the ride <laughs> and it's going to be exciting for as long as I can carry this feeling on. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting because maybe circling back around to what we were talking about earlier in terms of, of failure. When I spoke about failure is giving up on what's important to you. I think also failure is not feeling fulfilled in your life. Oh yeah. Huge, huge. And yes. And I think uh, that that's something that's, that's so important. And you know, the thing that strikes me as I get older is I used to hear the adults say this all the time. You know, I never really considered myself an adult. Uh, I've aged, but I haven't matured all that much is how fast time goes. Yeah. And it goes in a blink. It's crazy. And, uh, 
I think that, you know, one of the consistent threads in my life has been in terms of my, my work life has been seeking fulfillment, which I have done when I was a designer. I do as a teacher, as a writer, as a director of the, all the films that I've done, you know, and now as a playwright. And I've always been seduced by ideas and pursued the things that I felt used whatever creativity I had in its fullest. And the play that I'm doing is, is really exciting in that way because it is, I'm collaborating with incredibly talented people and I'm seeing what started as an idea that I got out onto paper and when we were doing our workshop, what was so amazing is all of a sudden there's, I'm looking around, there's like 52 people in the room. And it started with me writing this story about Lloyd Price, who is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who broke down the wall that was called Race Records uh, back in the early 50s, where you could only buy records by black artists in black record stores. Okay. And Lloyd's first song, Lottie Miss Claudie, sold over a million copies, which was the first time that ever happened. And uh, nobody's prejudiced against green. And so, you know, that started an amazing career. And I've written his life story. And it's a, it's a play that's going to be opening in March. Wow. The point is that I never knew when I met Lloyd that my life was going to change direction yet again. Because as I've always pursued those ideas that are most exciting for me and most thrilling. And for whatever reason, I found it to be a bigger risk and a bigger loss not doing what I wanted than taking a safe route. You know, because my belief is you're on this ride once, so make the most out of it. So I think that that fulfillment that you were talking about and that I'm speaking about now is a huge part uh, of the definition for me. And I suspect for you in terms of what success is. Yeah. A thousand percent, you know, and, and it's interesting how it evolves over time. You know, when, when I was in my twenties, I had one idea of what success was going to look like. I had uh, pipe dreams of being a professional fighter because I was a karate guy growing up and karate was life and that's everything but certain birth defects and physical uh, inabilities on my part prevented me from competing on a, on a, on a large scale. Because once I started getting up there in that competition, I started realizing this, this uh, issue that I have, I can't compete with these guys, no matter how hard I train. So that my definition of success then was completely wiped off the map. I was like, I can't even pursue this. So I was completely lost. So what did I do? I, I, I put myself into corporate. So here I go, corporate career. We're going to make this. We're going to be the best. It's going to be the greatest. And uh, still reporting to somebody else. It's not pursuing my dreams. It's fulfilling their goals and their dreams. Granted, I get to have some creative say in it, but overall, I'm still stifled tremendously, and I'm not pursuing my own personal goals and my own personal dreams. Now I have another opportunity to do my personal uh, endeavors, my creative expression, whatever you want to call it, and I'm feeling that same sense of fulfillment and joy and excitement that I felt in my 20s when I was pursuing something that I, at the time, thought and knew was my future. 
So that being able to capitalize on that creativity and express it in a way, I've seen both sides. And I definitely prefer the side that I'm on right now. But, you know, I think it's like you have to know what up is to realize what down is. Yeah. And, you know, the contrast that we experience in life, both happy and sad, that one is defined by the other. And those contrasts are, I think, part of what makes up that very complicated mosaic that's our psyche and who we are and what we value. And I do believe that as disparate as it may seem, I mean, I've had a few different careers, so to speak. Sure. But every career, everything that I've done has informed everything else I've done. And that I've learned from each of those things and they've helped me in that next pursuit. And the main thing that I have learned, and it's what I try to to teach also, is the walls between these different disciplines aren't very solid. They're very permeable. You just have to understand that most of these pursuits, there's much more that's in common rather than different. Because, you know, it comes down to having an idea, actualizing an idea, somehow getting that out the door, so to speak in a way that can generate the revenue that you can keep doing what you love doing. Sure. You know, you, you talk about karate. There's a, there's a, a crappy movie. That's a lot of fun called enter the dragon. Oh yeah, man. Everybody. Cause the everybody. fight scenes are so awesome in that. They're so cool. <laughs> yeah. And there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where the villain holds up a board next to Bruce Lee's face. And he, breaks the board. Bruce doesn't even blink. And he goes, boards don't hit back. And life does hit back. Yes. And that's what's really important to learn. And so you need to learn how to take that blow and get back up again and keep going. And I think that that is so important. And I think, you know, what's interesting, I think one of the reasons that the students like my class is because it's anchored in those realities that, you know, you're going to face obstacles. There are things that are going to knock you down. And the question is, what did you learn from that? So you can dodge that punch next time and keep pursuing what it is that will bring you fulfillment. hundred percent. But Jeff, as we go to wrap this up, man, how can people learn more about you and about your book? Tell us a little bit about your book and where we can find it. Oh, I have a visual aid. I found it right here. I love visual aids. How great is that? (laughs) And it's called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. And I like saying this part, uh, which is available at all fine booksellers. Oh, I love it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You can follow me or link with me or whatever the hell it's called on LinkedIn. And I post quotes from my class guests and you'll see little bits of video from my class. And I have, you know, amazing guests. It's really cool. And they have, uh, that's teaching is a fantastic way to learn. And I love learning. And, uh, that would be one other thing, by the way, before I go that I would say to your audience, which is stay curious, keep learning. Because that in and of itself, that activity, I think is very fulfilling and and fun. But uh, LinkedIn, you can find me. You can find me on uh, madoffproductions.com. 
and you can see my my videos and and what I do in that world. Uh, and on Instagram at at a creative career. I also do, by the way, it's kind of cool. I walk around New York every day and I take pictures and I post those pictures purely for the fun of taking pictures and posting them. There's no, no business, no nothing tied to it. Yeah. It's kind of cool shots in New York and I love New York city where I live. And that's at Jeff underscore Madoff. So those are some ways that you can, you can get in, in touch, see some of the kind of uh, content that we're doing and, and hopefully you're intrigued enough to want to read the book. Cause I I'm proud of the book. Uh, I believe it says something. Yeah, I definitely want to read the book and I'll definitely be, be connecting with you on the various platforms there. Cause I, I've loved this conversation and I, I love your perspective on a lot of things and I'll, I want to learn more. So Jeff, I appreciate you taking the time to spend with me today. Even though we had that little hiccup, you were very anxious to come back and finish the conversation and I appreciate that. So thank you very much. Oh, it was great, Larry. Thank you so much. I enjoyed your questions and enjoyed the conversation and, uh, Leave them wanting more. Always. I look forward to our next conversation, man. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, everybody. This has been another awesome episode of You're the Boss. And remember that you are the boss. And if you got some value out of today's episode, I've got one thing to ask. And all I'm asking is you subscribe to the show. That way, every week, I can bring you brand new episodes every Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. here Central, because we're in Texas. we got to do things on Texas time. So until then, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. Join us for our next episode where we help you achieve your goals and live your absolute best life. Be sure to subscribe, connect, and share. Until next time, remember, you're the boss.